yo, yo, what's going on? It's Greg Lunt, and it is July 10th, 2019. And how was your week? Did you have a good July 4th? Did you live in California and deal with two earthquakes? Um, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. But uh, yeah, how was your week? I hope everything's going well with you. I am chugging along here. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll just jump right into it. Like July 4th, I got invited. So it's already been a week since that, right? So last Thursday was July 4th. I got invited to a party. And it was just one of those parties where I didn't know anybody except for my brother. And he was kind of off doing his own thing. And I decided I wasn't going to drink because I had work the next day. We didn't get off on the 5th. And so I was kind of roaming around, talking to a few people, but I wasn't really having a great time. And so I made the executive decision to just leave. So I went, you know, for, I drove probably 30 minutes to get there. And then I stayed for about an hour. And then I drove 30 minutes home. Like when you're at a party and you're fantasizing about not being at the party, I think it's time to just pack up, right? And not really worry about oh, where did he go? Or like, what, why are you leaving? It's just like, just ghost it. Just fucking get out of there and do what you actually want to do. So it was just one of those moments that I kind of put myself first and I was like, fuck it, right? I don't want to be here. I'm leaving. So I went home and uh, I got in bed. Oh no, you know what? There was actually, the earthquake was earlier that day. So it was before the party. I'm laying in bed when I got up that morning and there was a fucking earthquake and like my bed starts like shaking and I'm looking around I'm looking at the ceiling and I'm just like at first I thought it was construction or something or I there was some actually noise above me someone was walking around so I was like oh are they like stomping really hard but that only lasted for like a second and I was like no this is all moving and then uh, about like 15 seconds later I was like it stopped and I was like shit so I went on Twitter and everyone was saying like you know people in Vegas felt it Uh, People everywhere in SoCal felt it. Some people in Northern California felt it. Someone even in Australia said they felt it. So I was like, damn, dude. You know, that was only the second earthquake I've ever been in in my life that I felt. I think the other one was when I was in New York. I was at work and I was in my cubicle and I felt an earthquake. That was a weird one. It was out of like Washington, D.C. Might have been like around a six magnitude and we felt it in, in New York. But this was the first one that I felt in California. And so whatever. So then I went to the party and, you know, no one really cared about it or talked about it. It wasn't even a thing, but I'm pretty sure everyone had felt it earlier that day. And I just like wasn't into it. So I went home and I kind of crashed early that night. And then I woke up the next day. I went to work on the 5th and had a normal day at work, kind of a, a chill day went home my buddy from work came over with me and we were hanging out we were just sitting on the couch kind of shooting the shit and shit started moving again and we were looking at each other with like you know that like wide-eyed kind of like eyes locked like are you feeling what i'm feeling and we both like have this little smirk like uh and then it started to get worse about like 10 seconds in it started to like felt like i was on a boat felt like the boat was kind of rocking and i was like oh fuck and we both kind of like stood up and we're like, should we like get out of here? Like, like we didn't, we kind of didn't know what to do. And then it stopped. And I was just like, um, let's go to my neighbor's house. So we went to my neighbor's apartment and we kind of just sat 
with my buddy and his wife and we were just like yo that was wild um and they were having a glass of wine and i just like wasn't feeling my head was kind of like lightheaded after the earthquake and i didn't want any wine or anything but i was like just chilling there and kind of thinking about it it kind of had me a little bit shook up and for you guys that have been listening for a while you might remember i had a couple podcasts about earthquakes like a year and a half ago when i first started and i was talking about this guy that i watch on youtube his name is dutch since D-U-T-C-H-S-I-N-S-E. And he's been doing these day-to-day earthquake updates for like seven years or eight or nine years at this point, I guess. And I've been kind of watching his stuff the last few days, uh, again, because of all this stuff. And he's actually been predicting kind of what's going on. He called the second one. And we're actually still on alert until tomorrow evening. Um, I actually just, based on some stuff, I kind of feel like we're going to get another one tomorrow but uh, we'll see if that comes right I hope I'm wrong but uh, you know you can you can follow the flow of the tectonic plates like moving and there's the ridge that the the energy kind of flows down and there's the same pattern that happens over and over again where it's the same flows the same directions um, so in Alaska there was like a six something and then it goes down the Pacific Northwest in the ocean and then curls back into the San Andreas, which cuts right through the western edge of California all the way down. And, you know, after you get a big earthquake like that, what you want to see is – so the second one on July 5th was a 7.1. And what you want to see is that energy kind of continue along the plate. And, and where that goes is it curls around through Texas and up into Oklahoma and then to the east coast. And Texas did end up getting an earthquake, but it wasn't that intense. Uh, I forget what the actual magnitude was, but it wasn't enough to say that it's been actually released from the West um, fully. So it was like kind of a vibrating force that they got, but it wasn't necessarily the entire flow of energy out of Southern California. And so the other day, apparently there was another like five or six up towards Alaska. So I'm kind of concerned that there's still like a bottleneck of, of the energy in Southern Cal and now there's more coming in from the north that might um, shake it up so we'll see what happens but you know there's a lot of interesting stuff if you want to check out his channel uh, I wouldn't recommend you watch for too long because you might like just get a little spooked out but you know for earthquake 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 forecasting is real uh, the same way you can forecast hurricanes and stuff like that maybe not well I guess kind of with similar precision right I mean they predict like where it's going to hit and when, and they have these time frames, but normally it's like a little bit off and stuff like that. That's kind of how these earthquake forecasts are. And for a long time, the USGS, which is the you know United States Geological whatever, that for- talks about the earthquakes and they report on the numbers and they have all the you know sensors in the ground and it automatically goes to their website and they're the official government reporting for earthquake activity. They denied for a long time that there was any such thing as earthquake forecasting. But because of guys like Dutch Sense, they've actually changed their website to say that it can be forecasted. They don't really advertise that. Uh, but, you know, it's very interesting stuff. And it's, you know, you just got to be prepared. So, you know, I have a backpack now that I just threw some clothes in and a flashlight and batteries and my external hard drive with like, a you know, basically all the stuff that I'd want to back up and stuff like that um so you know there's not much you can do other than 
take cover under a table or a doorway that's something that's going to be a little more stable if the roof starts to kind of crack and crumble and fall you don't want to get hit in the head but then yeah i guess if the building starts to actually collapse like you don't want to be inside so i don't i got to figure out how to balance that right like trying to find somewhere to hide inside and actually getting the fuck out but apparently you're not supposed to just run outside because you can get hit by like trees or by other buildings or whatever you're supposed to stay inside underneath something and protect yourself so hopefully i don't have to worry about that again but we'll see in the next like 24 hours uh we're supposed to be on watch until like midnight of the 11th um so hopefully we go tomorrow without an earthquake but yeah so um on a more positive note i guess um later that night so after the earthquake happened we go to my neighbor's house we're chilling and i remember that feed me one of my all-time favorite djs is in town and I've been kind of like eyeing this show on July 5th for over a month. Just like, should I go? Should I not go? The last time I went to see him, I didn't really love his set. Uh, I don't really have anyone to go with. Tickets are like 40 bucks, which isn't bad. But I was just like, I'm not just going to buy one by myself just yet. I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. And then it was the day of. And I remember that it was that night. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to go like check Craigslist. Like my buddy who'd come over from work. I was like, you want to go with me? And he was kind of like, um sure like sure so i'm trying to find tickets they're sold out and then i go to craigslist and i find a guy that is selling them and i'm able to get two for 40 bucks so i was like all right sweet so i get on the phone with him and then he's like sure and then i send him the money and he's like oh i only have one left sorry so i'm like all right so i end up only paying him 20 bucks i get one and i'm like fuck it i'm just gonna go by myself and so i went to the show by myself I tried to like get sneaky with my parking, right? So like instead of paying for a parking lot in in the middle of Hollywood, I just parked at a 7-Eleven that had like a 45-minute park spot and I just hope, you know, that no one is going to realize. But, you know, I see like a couple delivery cars pulling in and out. I may have even seen a guy like directing a car into a spot and then there was just like a few people that were looking kind of sketchy and um this wasn't really going through my mind. I noticed it all, but I didn't really internalize it. So I'm in the car. I like take a hit of weed, right? And then I get out and I go to the show and I left like my, my fucking windows kind of uh, down a little bit because I didn't want it to smell. So I go to the show. I go inside. I go to the bar. I get a bottle of water. Kind of, I guess I got there like right before his set started. So it was in between sets. So I'm like waiting for 10 or 15 minutes without music. And I'm kind of getting a little antsy. And then the music comes on and I'm like super stoned and it just starts to like hit me. And I'm like, I'm doing my thing. I'm dancing. I'm like feeling really nice. Just kind of, yeah, I love his music and it kind of, it makes me feel good when I want to go dancing and stuff like that. It just kind of, it rubs me the right way. And so I'm dancing and then, uh, you know, I move around a lot when I dance. I go to like one pocket and then I feel like people are like kind of watching me dance and I enjoy it. But then after a certain point, I just kind of like turn around and, and bus to like a different section and I kind of start over and kind of work my way up to a new song in a new area. And so I did that a few times and then I started getting these feelings like, bro, like your car, like your, your car is in the middle of a lot illegally parked with drugs in it around sketchy people and my windows are cracked and I'm just like, fuck. I just kept thinking about it. So like I set my alarm for like a few more songs and then to like reconsider and my alarm went off in my pocket and I was like, fuck, like 
having a good time, but I think I like am pushing the boundaries here. And I just got this feeling of like, go to your car, dude. So there was no re-entry, unfortunately, but that was the problem. And so I left and I went back home and I ended up just, the car was fine, but I'm glad that I went because it was getting even darker out and, um, I ended up having like a dance party by myself, like in the car ride home. I just threw on his album and was like, because I was still very much felt like I was there, you know. So I, I transferred that energy right into the car. And then I uh, was dancing at my apartment too a little bit. So I had a fun night um, despite the earthquake and despite having to leave early. Um, but then when I went to bed that night, I started watching Dutch Sin stuff again. And I was having trouble sleeping because... Every time I was about to fall off into my dream state, I felt like the ground was shaking underneath me. And one time I was like sure of it. I was sure that there was just another quake. And then I checked Twitter and there was nothing. So that's when I ended up making the pack. I was like, I'm just going to pack up my fucking bag, uh, you know, in case there's like an earthquake overnight and I have to like wake up and just go. So I laid out some clothes and I, I put my flashlight and all that shit in a bag. So, um, yeah, that was like me being paranoid, but also shit's so real that like it's no such thing as, as being too ready, you know, especially when you've never really been involved in something like that and you don't really know how you're going to react. You kind of want to just make sure you have everything as prepared as possible and you don't have to think. You can just act and just move. So um, that was my Friday night. And then... Saturday uh, was the UFC, UFC 239, uh, and the major fight for me and my friends was Jorge Masvidal versus Ben Askren. So I don't know if you guys watched it, but um, Jorge is a friend of my brother's and um, a friend of some of my other friends. And actually, my brother and one of his friends went down to Vegas and was hanging out with Jorge before the fight and, and they went to the after party and everything. So they were there with him. Turns out he knocks out Ben Askren, who was 19-0, had never lost an MMA bout, knocked him out in five seconds. Five seconds. And really it was like three, but it took the ref a little while to, to pull him off. Uh, it was the fastest knockout in UFC history. And there was so much trash talk going into the fight. And it was it was... The third fight on the card, it wasn't even the main event or the co-main event, but to the fans, it kind of was because of the lead-up and all of the bullshit that was going on between the two guys and the shit-talking. They really genuinely dislike each other, and so he ran in and just – the bell rings, and he kind of like stands by the edge of the cage with his hand behind his back and just kind of slow walks up and then does a full sprint out of nowhere straight at him. And the guy's a wrestler, so his instinct is to bend down. And so he bends down as if to like grab his waist, and Jorge jumps up and does a flying knee right in his fucking face. And he's just out cold, like body stiff, boom, hits the ground. And then Jorge gives him a couple hammer fists to the face for good measure. The ref pulls him off, and uh, the guy was out cold for like three minutes. And it was pretty epic. Um but uh, yeah, it, it was a really good fight. Really, we were just screaming, man. We were in my apartment, me and a couple buddies, and we were just like, oh my God. Like, we're kind of like, it's a full minute of us just like being like trying to take in what just happened with the months of buildup and the, the, you know, just happening and just in a split second, he's done and he's out. And it was just, it reminded me so much of the Conor McGregor Jose Aldo fight a few years back where there was like 
months and months and months and months of lead up and trash talk. And then Connor knocks him out in like 13 seconds. Um, so it was very similar to that where all the buildup just comes into fruition and uh, it's just an exciting finish. An awesome fight. Jorge is now probably going to get a title shot, we hope. There's one other guy, Colby Covington, who might get a title shot instead. He's fighting in August, and then they're going to decide after that. But hopefully they decide before that. Hopefully they just give Jorge the fucking title shot because dude's been in the game for 16 years, and he's a warrior. He's given everything to the sport. You know, he came up in those backyard brawls. You remember Kimbo Slice and those, like, YouTube fight videos? He was in those. Like, he was beating up cats in the backyard in Miami, like, 15, 16, 17, 18 years ago. And, you know, now he's a top contender in the UFC. He's never looked better. He's had two electric knockouts in a row. And I really hope that Jorge gets a title shot against Usman, who is the uh, current belt holder. So good for Jorge. Good for my brother because, you know, they had a really great time down there. And, uh, yeah, that was Saturday night. That was really exciting. And then, um, yeah, so that's that's been – it was an exciting weekend this week so far. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday has been a little bit slow. Uh, there's been I've had some calls about the app you know things are moving along we were gonna consider having an event this week our third event but that's not gonna happen but we are doing some other stuff to push things along Um, and then actually one other thing I want to talk about that I thought was interesting was today I was on Bumble so yeah girls go first that's the whole thing with Bumble right so she messages me and she says Greg is my dad's name Scale of 1 to 10, how much does that weird you out as an opener? So I responded, Caroline is my landlord's name. I'm pretty sure there's a joke about you coming over to my apartment and calling me daddy somewhere in here. So I was pretty impressed with myself and I had a little chuckle and um, I actually sent it to my brother because I was so happy with it. And he was like, if she doesn't think that's amazing, then like fuck her anyway, like, like she sucks. And I was like, yeah. So a few hours later, she hits me back and she says, wow, the possibilities are just endless. Honestly, you handled that opener with such grace. I'm just going to give you my number and gives me her phone number. <laughs> so I, cool. Like that's fine. Then I took it to another level though, right? So because of course I'm not satisfied with that. So instead of messaging her back on Bumble, which I was going to do, I went to her phone number and I just sent her two audio messages. And I said, basically what I said was, uh, with I, I wasn't like coming at her. I was just genuinely curious. I was like, why do people give their phone number? Isn't it the same exact thing? Like the only difference between a Bumble text combo and now that they've added phone calls, like there's really no difference between giving me your phone number and and talking through Bumble, other than me sending you this video, this voice message right now, right? Like sending a voice message on iMessage is literally the only difference between continuing the conversation in Bumble. And it's definitely not why you gave me the phone number. So I question, I'm questioning her. I'm keeping it kind of meta, right? I'm like, why did you give me the number? Or more so I was asking like, is, is giving the phone number kind of played out at this point, right? And I, I, I'll extend the question to you guys. Like, on a dating app, what's the actual point of getting a girl's phone number? Is it just to feel like you move to the next step? Uh, is it is it like just a romanticized kind of feeling about it where it's like, oh, I got her number. You know, like th- th- there's this like leverage given to that or this feeling that's associated with that. I would actually argue, I feel a lot of times that getting the number 
and having to restart the conversation in a text uh, and an iMessage is actually like takes this it kind of back a little bit because you have a little bit of rapport going in the Bumble platform or the Tinder platform or whatever you're using and then you have to start over again and you kind of have to you don't want to start with like hey it's Greg from Bumble and then it's like you have to like restart over so then you have to think of like kind of a new witty opener or a new something or other and you know, when they go back to it, there's not like the messages they can scroll through to like remind them, you know, how they felt about you when the conversation started. And so I feel like you're just getting, you have to start over again. And I really don't like that. So I'm curious what you guys think about that. And like, what's even the point of getting a phone number? I would much rather just keep talking in the app and schedule the date in the app. Then after that, you know, once you meet them, if you want to, if it's easier to communicate via text message, that's fine. Um, but I guess it's maybe the girl just saying like, here, I'm comfortable giving you my number. Like I'm letting you know that you're cool enough that, you know, because they can just unfriend you on Bumble. They can unmatch you and you're gone forever. If they give you your phone number, their phone number, then all of a sudden you have a little more access to them. So I guess maybe it's their way of saying, you know, I trust you more or I'm into you a little bit more. But from a practical perspective, from the guy's side, or really from a conversational standpoint, there's really not a lot that it does. Other than, of course, like I said, being able to send voice messages, which I think will become more prevalent and then obviously uh, will be built into these apps going forward, whether that's my app or other apps that eventually take on that functionality. But um, yeah, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that. And uh, I'm, I haven't heard back from her yet. I sent them about an hour ago. So we'll see. If she responds, uh, I felt it's pretty interesting conversation. Like if you don't find that interesting, then we have not, not much to talk about because that's kind of like my whole life <laughs> is like analyzing dating app interactions and uh, social interactions via technology. That's kind of what I'm passionate about right now. So hold on a second. Ding, ding, ding. Time warp. Uh, I'm actually editing the podcast right now. And I just got a message back from her. She sent me a voice note back. So I thought it was interesting. So I'm just going to put it in here. And uh, yeah, I'm going to play it for you guys. So enjoy. Okay, wow. Bold. Two voice memos. I was um, I was in rehearsal when I got these. And um, I saw this number come up and I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, is this that guy from Bumble that has the same name as my dad? Um, and then I was like, oh no, it can't be. It's two voice memos. Like that would be crazy. <laughs> but lo and behold, it is. Um, okay. So here's my thinking. I'm, I'm so glad that you're, you know, like this really keeps you awake at night. Um, my thing is, I, so I don't have the notifications turned on for the app because otherwise it's just so distracting and overwhelming during the day. Because I get so many matches and so many messages. It's just like my phone's blowing up. Um, no, so I don't have notifications turned on. And I was finding that I wouldn't check the app like regularly enough. And then the momentum in a conversation would just fucking die. You know, it'd be like, how are you? And then 12 hours later, you know, good. How are you? You know, so... I thought, let me 
give you my number so that if you text me, like it's more likely to keep a good flow of conversation going. Of course, I just disproved my own theory because you sent this to me like two and a half hours ago, but I have a legitimate excuse, which is that I was at rehearsal. Um, so that's my thinking behind that. And I do think, I mean, don't you think it's just a step, like a half step more, uh, I want to say intimate, that's a little much, like friendly to have someone's phone number versus be, you know, it's like Facebook Messenger versus texting. A third party app is always just a little, a little more distant. So there you go. So yeah, interesting take, right? It's kind of similar to what I had just said about like, it's a little bit like of an advance uh, from the female side, I guess. I just don't, I don't know. I don't see the the practical nature of it. I guess there's something of an undertone of like more intimacy and more connection. But either way, um, I'd still love to hear what you guys think. And uh, here's just basically the last minute here of the podcast. I'm talking about uh, the meta ways that I start conversations. That's been working well for me in general. Like openers on Tinder, I'll just be like, do you ever think about how unnatural it is or how weird it is to try and like text flirt with someone you don't know? And then like a lot of, I've pretty much gotten 100% response rate with some variation of that opener recently. Uh, so yeah, I think people like, it's just a real question. It's like something that makes you think. If you can make somebody think in your opener, that's kind of the biggest key and it's not easy to do. But because this is something that I've been thinking about a lot and it has to do with the context of the dating app itself, it's kind of like an easy way in to get people to answer, I guess. And yeah, that's pretty much it. It's been it's been a busy week, a lot going on. Uh, my brain is a little bit mushy, but that's okay. It's all good stuff. Can't really complain. Uh, life is good. And I will talk to you guys next week. I hope that you have a great weekend. And I love you very much. Peace out.